You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Tavish. Bruce, nice to see you again. Tavish, nice to have you back. How you been? Not too bad. Yourself, gentlemen? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Bruce, how are you? Good here as well. Good here. Uh, yeah. Still healthy or alive. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Tavish, why don't you give us a rundown of what's going on up in your neck of the woods? I know you're up around the uh, the uh, Boston metro area. Now, I've been hearing a lot of things, and we talked a little bit about this morning. We've been talking about it the last few days. There is a big exodus happening right now in the cities, and the media is not talking about it too much. What's going on in New York City is not being mentioned anywhere, as far as we can tell. And by that I mean, and you you haven't uh, you haven't been here uh, for the last uh, week or so. And what's happening in New York right now is is just beyond comprehension. And when I say that, I'm talking about they're saying anywhere between thirty to fifty percent of the overall storefronts in the boroughs, Manhattan, Staten Island, Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, they're closed, as in permanently. They're not coming back. They're they're boarded up and they're gone. The amount of real estate in the city of New York is is up at, at an all time high. That's available. Uh, there's a thirty percent cut in in rent prices in Manhattan alone. They've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about fourteen thousand apartments that are available right now. If you want in Manhattan, so people are leaving. Is this happening up around where you are too? Uh, actually, yes, it is, sir. Um, Providence, Boston, any major metropolitan area, really, the amount of businesses that are gone for good, uh, mom and pop stores, restaurants, things like that, they just couldn't, you know, last. So there's a lot of retail property, a lot of um, residents in rural areas are being snapped up by out-of-staters. Uh, like Western Massachusetts. A lot of New Yorkers are buying homes or property. They say apparently they are coming out of New York City. That I don't know for sure, but I have seen a lot of sales of real estate in Western Massachusetts. We know that there is a big exodus happening from New York. They've lost anywhere between four to 600,000 in the last month alone, as in those are residents that are leaving and they're not coming back. You had the likes of Governor Cuomo, who was on TV was it Bruce a couple of weeks ago, begging the rich people to come back. In his words, they're not coming back right now. Well, you have to stop and think about what your policies are doing. But people are snatching up the homes outside of the city, rural places, suburb areas up around where you're at. Are people leaving as in moving out from Boston as well? I'm talk- I mean, I know you were talking about businesses. Are residents pulling up and leaving as well? The non-business owners? To a certain degree, yes, because there has been an uptick in the number of cases in the Boston metro area. Uh, some of it is due to um, travelers now that there's more air flight, uh, but also because schools reopening, they're seeing um, rising numbers among school children. And they're not getting horribly sick, but they are passing it to their adults, uh, their parents, their grandparents. So that's why Boston is in, I think, the red zone on the national scale. Some of it's due to the schools reopening and also the colleges. Uh, there's been several instances of large scale parties, lack of social distancing. And people are turning up positive for the uh, coronavirus. So they're seeing an uptick in overall cases, both young and old. So some people have um, left town 
whether they have a summer home or going to stay with family. So there has been an exodus. I can't give you an exact figure on the number of people, but it has been in the news locally about the number of people just leaving to get away and then the number of places that have closed down due to unable to do business. Today, I wanted to get into... Uh, I wanted to get into a, a few things. I wanted to talk about this group of people that's going around uh, pushing this defund the police movement. And, you know, it's quite shocking when you start looking at where all this money's coming from, because if you talk to the average person out there, nobody really wants to defund the police. Tavish, have you met anybody that you run across in a daily basis that thinks that defunding the police is a good idea? Because I can't I can't tell you a single person that I've ever met that says, you know what we should do? I think we should get rid of the police. I've never heard anyone say that. Have you ever heard anyone say that up around where you are? No, I have not. I know it's been in the news. It, it's where it's coming from. I, I I really don't know unless it's a national group that's putting out their agenda. Uh, but again, when people say defund the police, there's no exact definition. Everyone seems to have a different idea of what they think it means. Is it a good idea personally to me? No. Yeah, it's like you call 911, well, gee, we're sorry, did you try Dunkin' Donuts? Maybe they can help you. Because I've heard, you know, there are some people that say, oh, we should just get rid of police entirely and have a civilian security force. And I just, I don't understand the reasoning behind that particular thought or entirely defunding the police. I mean, these are frontline law enforcement. These are the people protecting the general populace. Take them away. Do people magically think crime is going to go down or, or vanish entirely? I don't think so. Actually, I, th I think that's kind of their mindset, as in the people that push that agenda. I mean, this is what we see out in Seattle of like the city council and things. They want to defund the police. They want to actually, I, I think, well, they're, they're already in the process of defunding the police. They want to cut it and then they want to ultimately abolish it like they're doing in Minneapolis, which that's been tabled for a year. So I don't think they're going to be able to get that through until at least six to eight months from now. So the ultimate target here is to abolish the entire system. Tavish, this is where these people are, right? Th this is what's going on. This is what's going through their head. It's what you just said, believe it or not. That's actually how they think. They think that the system itself is what causes people to commit crimes. And so they believe, I'm talking about like the city councils, the mayors, the people that are out there pushing this agenda to defund the police. They actually believe if they abolish the police, then of course, if you don't have the police, well, you don't need the courts. And if you don't have the courts, well, then you don't need prisons. That's the ultimate goal here. So they believe if they get rid of all of this, then crime will stop. I'm not joking. That's actually their line of thinking. Does that answer your question? Well, in that case, it it, it sounds like the same people. Oh, if we get rid of all guns, no one will get killed. There won't be any gun violence. What about baseball bats, knives and, and stuff like that? You know, people don't get a gun. They're going to find something else to use if they're truly dedicated to doing something. So I, I just I don't see how they think this through and come to a logical conclusion that defunding the police or eliminating the police is going to do society such a great justice. It'll be anarchy. All right. Maybe that's too strong word, but you know, I don't crime so. will go up because people will know, oh, we're not going to be punished. We can do whatever we want. I'm not buying that. I've seen places around the world where when there is no security, it's like a Lord of the Flies setup. You know, the strongest do what they want and the weak pay for it. It's really that. I, I don't think that's I don't think anarchy is too strong of a word because that's really what you're going to have if they do that. If you look at the cities where they have already largely said they're going to defund or disband the police, Minneapolis, for example, the crime is out of control up there. Same thing with, well, I don't think Chicago, Chicago hasn't had any real cuts yet, but it's out of control there. New York City's cutting a billion dollars. De Blasio said that he's going to cut a billion dollars from the NYPD. A billion dollars for their entire budget next year is going to go away. 
And the crime numbers right now, what did we say the other day, Bruce? It was like 153 percent is like that. Those are the numbers this year already. It's up 153 percent from last year at this time. They've already surpassed the number of shootings and the number of uh, people shot to death in New York this year by last year by 150 percent. Well, look at Chicago. Look at Detroit. Um, 24 people on one weekend were shot, I believe, in Chicago. Uh, Detroit, same same problem. Shootings are going up. Um, I know in Boston, there's a big fight between the mayor and the city council over defunding the police. Uh, the mayor is agreeable to taking some money and putting it into mental health, social um, organizations, you know, outreach. Now, I, I do agree we need more mental health resources for people out there, especially people on the streets, the homeless and whatnot. But I don't see how defunding the police is going to magically make everybody happy and and we're all going to get along. There are certain people out there that are evil. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. I've seen it. It's out there. Nurture or nature, whatever you want to call it. But there are bad people in the world. That's why we have the military and the police. And he says that as the sirens are behind him from (laughs) goodness knows what. But you know something? Yes. The the, uh, the fact that they're wanting to take some of this money and they want to reallocate it to mental health services, I would argue, hey, OK, that's a great idea. So when are you people going to be committed? That's I mean, that's where I would go with it. You know, when are these people going to have their heads examined? Because they're the ones that need mental help for saying you're going to defund the police. They they live in this dream world where you say, OK, yeah, it's 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 going to be this fabulous thing and everyone's going to get along. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. See, they don't want to really defund the police. That's what it all comes down to. They don't want to defund the police. They want to become the police. They don't want to defund it. They want to become what the police are. They want to have their own private security for it. That's the whole issue behind it. And I have a big problem with that. I mean, if you look at some of the military contractors that were not well regulated, some of the uh, problems they've had, I foresee the same issue if they want to go to a private security force. It's like, oh, well, we have our own security force. Who's to say what they're doing out of sight? You know, what kind of training are they going through? What type of uh, testing have they done when they hire these people? Psychological testing, physical training, all these things. That I haven't heard people address those issues. It's just, oh, well, let's get rid of the police and we'll have a civilian security force. What does that mean? Again, it's like saying we wanted to fund it. What does it mean? I haven't heard any explicit definitions of what they mean by that. Let's have a look at some of these organizations that want to defund the police. All right. So we've got companies that are on board like this. Okay, Microsoft, right? Companies like Microsoft, they're on board with defunding the police. Companies like Intel, Airbnb, these are companies that have donated to uh, the Black Lives Matter global network. Right. And of course, this is the organization that is calling. I mean, they're one of the biggest champions. They're not the only one, but they're one of the biggest champions for defunding the police Uh, and color of change. Bruce, did you figure out what color of change was? Nonprofit civil rights group advocacy organization. Okay, so I'm assuming they're the ones that are circulating this petition, right? Doing these petition campaigns. Yeah, I'm assuming that's the right. That's what it looks like. I, I just pulling up their website, like the first thing they have is some chick with duct tape over her mouth that says, I can't breathe. Oh, for crying. So, OK. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there, of course, there's no there's no agenda there or anything. No, of course not. So, OK, um, you've got the two groups that are pushing for this. You've got Black Lives Matter, of course, and you've got the color of change, both of which they want to defund police departments across the country. So what's going on here? They're saying that they want to reallocate this money, just as you said, Tavish. They want to take that money that is normally for the police and they want to reinvest it to 
social services, some type of mental health experts and all that stuff. So essentially, if you commit a crime and or you're a victim of a crime, rather, of course, there's not going to be any punishment if you commit a crime, because, of course, they think there's not going to be any crime. <laughs> that, that's I, I, it's hard to do this with a straight face and not laugh because of just how ridiculous this is. But I'm assuming that if you're a victim of a crime, of course, you'd call 911, you'd call the emergency services and you'd be put on hold. And then a social worker would come around with a box of tissues and comfort you and and give you counseling and offer you words of encouragement, things like that, that would allow you to reflect on what you did to provoke the person that would cause that cause that crime against you. Uh, do, do you guys see a similar agenda there? To a certain degree, I do agree with you. But again, it, it's like no one seems to be able to dis- explicitly define what they mean when they say defund police, cut the overtime, get rid of it. And this is where I have an issue with that. It's like pie in the sky. Oh, all this will happen and everything will be magically wonderful. And rainbows and unicorns are going to come out of my butt. Yeah, that's going to happen. Well, they are specifically saying uh, this is the the color of change. This would be the uh, the group that's circulating the petitions and things like that. They're doing the petition campaign across the country. They're saying this is their president, Rashad Robinson, says policing is a violent institution that must end. Not true. He said this, of course, at the Minneapolis City Council, who voted to dismantle the entire department up there. We imagine a country where there is enough money to educate our children, which there's plenty of money for that. I mean, it's uh, sorry. Since when do we not have public education that's free of charge? Since when do we not have that? Care for our sick. We have that. We have some of the best health care in the world, though it is expensive. But the people that you're talking about, I mean, a majority of the people we have in the country don't pay for their medical services anyway. The people that do pay for their medical services are people that work and feed those who are financially unstable. We've been doing that for decades. It's called SNAP. Old fashioned term is food stamps. He says that defunding the police allows for this vision. So explain to me how defunding the police is going to allow you to create systems where there's enough money to educate our children, which they get for free anyway, care for our sick who get medical care at no cost to them. Largely, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not talking about people that have their own private health insurance and feed those who are financially unstable. We have SNAP. So who's this guy preaching to? But that's pure propaganda. It is pure propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of skimming over it. Basically, these are Black Lives Matter types. Uh, color of change there, therefore racial justice and all that kind of stuff saying they want a less hostile world for black people and so on and so forth. But anyway, mm-hmm. so here's the thing. I would like to see more, more of our kids brought up, you know, in the nation, um, not having to rely on snap and not having to rely on those things. It's great that we have those uh, systems in place. But um, what I want to know is, is what, what's more concerning is what are we doing to get the those families out of those situations? This is true. But I would reply to that gentleman. OK, you say law enforcement creates violence. Wasn't that law enforcement created to address the violence? But, you I mean, know, it was. Let's go back to the West. Marshals, sheriffs uphold the law, protect the, you know, the civil populace. That's why it was created. Are there bad apples? Yes, I freely admit that. But to throw the baby out with the bathwater, what does that solve? Address the bad apples. And I think part of the issue is that over the years, since 9-11, a lot of new officers have been coming out of the military. And that's a very different skill set than strictly law enforcement training. So I think some of it is the fact that you have these combat veterans that 
they have the reflexes honed now, whether Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever. They have combat instincts and they're being put into a civilian enforcement environment. And that doesn't always mesh well. That's what I meant about training. You know, you have to fit the mold or retrain the soldier to become a police officer. Now, it doesn't help that they've been arming police departments across the nation with all this extra gear, but in a lot of cases, it's necessary. Case in point, look at that big shootout in Los Angeles years ago. Two gentlemen, body armor, AK-47s with tons of ammo, officers with a 9mm. Yes, and it was a horrendous shootout. Multiple officers wounded and whatnot. All they had was their uh, pistols and shotguns. They had to go to gun shops to get as much high-power weaponry as they could to to return fire to these bank robbers before people got massacred. So I can see why over the years they've gotten the better weapons, the um, armored vehicles and whatnot. But it's one of those things where society as a whole, we've had more people cycle through the military. So you have more people with military training going into law enforcement. And I think that has colored people's perceptions to a certain degree. Because that training, you can see in the way the officers are moving against rioters, looters, bank robbers. You can see the way they move, the tandem. You know, you can see the military training. So to a certain degree, I can understand people's point. But I also say that law enforcement was created to deal with the violence that was already in society. Law enforcement did not start the violence. They were created to address the violence. So back to what I was saying about SNAP and all that. Honestly, I want to know what kind of systems we have in place that are trying to get those people out of those situations. I, I know, and um, we, we've used the example before, um, uh, like Germany. You know, if you want to be on those welfare systems, you have to work, right, to, to remain on them. Correct. Same situation here. Why, why are we not having some kind of requirement that, we're, that they have to work to get the free stuff? I want those fail safes in place to keep people, you know, if, if you uh, fall on hard times, we can help you out of that. But I don't want you staying there. I want people to have the ability to get out of that. And, you know, if, if they choose to stay in that, well, then we shouldn't have to pay for it. You know, as as the American people, if you make the choice that you want to be homeless or, or you know, uh, strung out on drugs or what have you, well, that's your choice and we shouldn't have to pay for it. I would like to see, you know, some reform there. But uh, as far as needing more of those things, I'd have to look at the statistics and numbers, uh, but I, I imagine if you put a system in place that says you have to work to retain uh, your welfare check, you know, we'll, we'll give you like um, help you with classes for, you know, getting a GED, you know, those kind of help you work on getting a, a better education, maybe um, help you find Tra- classes to go to like a trade school schools. or something. Yeah, trade school. Yeah. Absolutely. Trade We're school. on the same page. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. So, I mean, get them, you know, get them better education so they can find those better paying jobs. And when they get into the job, if they want to have, you know, help looking into going to a college and getting a degree in something else and getting a better paying job. I mean, I want to see something like that in place and not this perpetual, well, you have more kids. Uh, we give you more money. If you don't have a male in the household, then guess what? You get more money. I mean, it, it's just that, that system that we're that's being perpetuated. I, I, I don't I don't want to see that. I want to see them. I want to see the American people excel. Right. And I want to see us advancing as a, as a like the entire society. Right. If 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 we can pull up the lower class, if you will, quote unquote, lower class, if we can raise them up to higher, then that means the the, the lower class as a whole, gets pulled up. The standards change. So if we can do that across the board, that benefits everybody. I believe I have to take a line from uh, from Tabish here and say, 
rising tides raise all ships. Isn't that how you put it, Tavish? Yes, sir. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. But but let's look at the let's look at the actual companies that are that are behind this, that are giving money to these organizations to defund the police and to promote this other agenda. So we talked about Microsoft, Intel, Airbnb, right? These are all companies that have donated to BLM, among others, right? Ubisoft gave some money. I think Apple, uh, Cisco Systems, and there were a few others. Nike was another one. Uh, that That's a big one. But there are a lot of other companies. And you think, okay, well, who are they and how much have they given? Well, let's take a look. The clothing company, H&M, right? They're in a lot of countries, right? They're over here where I'm at. They're in England. They're in France. I've seen, I've seen some in France, uh, as well as other European countries. They're all across the US, at least until they have their storefronts boarded up, <laughs> until, until that happens. But they've donated $500,000 across three social justice organizations, including Color of Change. H&M announced on June 1st in an Instagram post, let's change. That's what they put up. They've donated to, as I said, Color of Change. They've donated to the NAACP, Boy, we know that organization, don't we? And mm. what's the other one that we always talk about here about how great they are about championing and protecting civil rights of American people, the ACLU, mm. which, by the way, that's where Ruth Bader Ginsburg came from. You know, the Supreme Court justice. She was the chief litigator for the ACLU before she became a Supreme Court justice, which, in my humble opinion, should have disqualified her from holding the seat on the Supreme Court from the start. So side issue. Here's another one that caught me off guard. Cliff Bar. Right. Cliff Bar, you know, those those fitness bars, Cliff Bar mm-hmm. donated one hundred thousand dollars split uh, between two groups. Color of Change was one and the other one was BLM Cisco. Right. I said Cisco Systems. Cisco announced on June 1st that it was splitting a five million dollar donation across four groups. So they gave to Color of Change. They gave to BLM. They gave to the NAACP and they gave to. EJI. Can you find out what EJI is? For these large corporations, they have their own security force, correct? They do, yes. Okay. So they are not entirely dependent on civil law enforcement? Not technically. I mean, they have their own security to take care of their own internal problems and to deal with issues on their own property. And of course, they can contract out as well, but or, or con- you know, contract in, I mean. But as far as any type of legal issues or anything like that, they still have to partner with law enforcement to deal with any kind of legal problems, if that's what you're asking. Thank you. That's what I was. I was a little gray area for me, so I wasn't sure. Uh, anything on EJI, Bruce? Yeah, so some of their some of their work and stances, um, things like criminal justice reform, they're, they're standing with you know racial justice stuff, uh, public uh-huh. education. They they provide legal representation for people that have been illegally convicted, unfairly sentenced, or abused in state jails and prisons. Uh, they also challenge the death penalty and excessive punishment, and they provide reentry assistance to formerly incarcerated people. Okay. All right. So on the surface, it sounds good. But I wonder behind the scenes, if they're splitting five million, Cisco, if they're splitting five million between EJI, the NAACP and Color of Change uh, and Black Lives Matter. So I mean that 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 just that kind of looks OK. If uh, we know the status of all these other organizations. So if EJI is is in bed with that type of agenda, then behind the scenes, we know what they're what they're involved with. But OK. Here's another odd one. Ritz crackers. I've been eating Ritz crackers since I was a kid. You know, I love them. They announced on June 4th at the company and its sister brands, Oreo, you know, Oreo cookies, Trident, Trident gums and Chips Ahoy. 
the chocolate chip cookies. I know those aren't available largely outside the U.S., but it's a real shame because they're really good cookies. They donated $500,000 to the NAACP and to Black Lives Matter. Degree, the deodorant company, they pledged $100,000 to Black Lives Matter. Degree has said in their tweet, they say, we will not stay silent on the issue of systemic racism. We stand with the black community and recognize the importance of taking action to drive change. As a first step towards this, Degree is pledging $100,000 to Black Lives Matter. The food delivery service DoorDash, which I think, Bruce, didn't you tell me that was like Grubhub? Yeah, it's it's like Grubhub. Okay. DoorDash donated $500,000 to Black Lives Matter. I wonder, does this all go to um, Act Blue? I, I'm just wondering. Is, isn't that the group that was behind the BLM donations? Uh, was it Act Blue or was it was it it was something close to that? It's on their website. Act Blue is a nonprofit technology organization established in no. 2004 that enables left-leaning nonprofits, Democrats, and progressive groups to raise money on the internet by providing them. Yeah, this is the is fundraising. This is this is the uh, this is the software they would use, like the website. Yeah, Act Blue. That it yeah, would secure Act Blue. Through. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, Act Blue. Uh-huh. CEO, uh huh. CEO of Slack. What is Slack? I've heard of the the name before. What is it? What what's Slack? Communication platform. Okay, so it's like a is it like a Zoom competitor or something? That's kind of what it looks like. Maybe okay. something Zoom or or Skype or something on those lines. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. All right. So Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield and his wife said that they would make a $700,000 donation to Color of Change and Black Lives Matter and a host of other organizations in June. The couple also said that they would match $300,000 in employee gifts to organizations. Didn't uh, Now, this one I saw coming. Clothing brand Vans Incorporated announced a $50,000 donation to Color of Change in June. Women's Working Space Collective... The Wing, you got me on that one, donated $200,000 to The Color of Change. The Pokemon Company International, they announced on Twitter in June it would be making a $100,000 donation to Black Lives Matter. Fashion and music merchandising company Bravado pledged to match employee donations to Black Lives Matter, among various other organizations. Workspace computer software company Dropbox, right? A lot of people use Dropbox. Hell, we use Dropbox around here. Not for very much longer, I can assure you. By the way. Real quick, mm-hmm. I, I just went to Color Change's website and clicked the donate button. They yeah, use Act Blue. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So tell me, this is not a giant money laundering operation. Okay, so uh, let me see. Dropbox, Dropbox pledged five hundred thousand dollars to BLM on June third. Women's undergarment company Spanx said that it would donate one hundred thousand dollars across multiple organizations, including BLM and the NAACP and the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I, I love how they give it these catchy names, you know, like freedom and civil rights and you know civil liberties and all that stuff. It's got nothing to do with any of that stuff. The Minnesota Freedom Fund has faced scrutiny for using donations to post bail for alleged violent criminals. We're going to get into violent criminals in New York here in just a minute, including a woman charged with murder and a convicted rapist. Beauty company Bio BioSense, Bio, BioEssence, what, whatever, announced it would donate $100,000 to Color of Change, Black Lives Matter, and the ACLU and the Minnesota Freedom Fund in a June Instagram post. The sportswear company Lulu Lamon announced uh, it doesn't say, uh, announced on Instagram that they would donate $250,000 some to, var- uh, to a variety of organizations, including BLM. The Japanese video game publishing company Square Enix made a $250,000 donation to Black Lives Matter and pledged to match employee contributions to Black Lives Matter. None of the companies other than DoorDash returned requests for comments. Huh. Wonder why. So 
look, here's the thing. Corporations, as in the past, you know, and GP and I got into this uh, th- this talk back and forth, and he said, well, there's no way the corporations are going to be on board with socialism. And that's, let, let's face it, that's what these organizations are. They're Marxist organizations. That's what they represent. Go to their websites. Look at what they represent. Look at their values, so-called values. Look at what their principles are. And then look at what the Marxist agenda is from Marx himself. It's nearly identical. The leaders of Black Lives Matter, those three women, what did one of them say? We're trained Marxists. Hello? Okay. So is it really about all the things you say? I mean, if you go down through and you read their charter, you read what their, uh, their principles are. Sounds an awful lot like Marxism to me. So GP says, well, there's no way the corporations will be on board with that. Oh, yes, they will. Companies don't actually believe in this stuff. They're giving to these organizations, but they don't actually believe in any of the stuff. They're looking at it from the PR side of things. Corporations Mm -hmm. get in bed with whatever way they think the wind is blowing, and that's it. They think that they're going to be able to make some kind of a deal and and this is going to work out for them. This is not going to work out well for them, because if an organization like this were to ever come to power, these corporations are going to have these mobs on their doorsteps before dinner. It doesn't work like this. It doesn't work like this. You don't get on board with this type of thing. You can't make a deal with the devil. Isn't that what they say? You, You can't make a deal with that. You can't make a deal with this. I've said that time and again. This is not a group of people you can make a deal with. There's a few companies that'll probably skate by, but largely a lot of these other ones, they're not going to. Tell me, how much money is DoorDash going to make when your money's worthless? How much money is DoorDash going to make when there's no food, when there's no restaurants, all the, the mom and pops, all the cafes, all that stuff's boarded up? How much are they going to make then? Not only that, add in the, the fact that the, many of these companies are multi-billion dollar companies and all they're giving is like 50000 100000 I mean, they're, they're giving pocket change, essentially. When, when you're looking at billions of dollars of revenue, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't care. It's just, it's just all politics. It's PR. That's all it is. It's yeah. PR. It's to say, yes, we support the cause. We're with you. Why can't you people get on board with something righteous, like some organization that's out there championing liberty and freedom and real justice? Why can't you do that? Why can't you come out and uh, you try to tell me, Okay, I refuse to believe this. You're trying to tell me there's not one person, there's not one corporation, not one anywhere that's going to come out and say, no, we denounce what you're doing. We don't stand with that. We don't want to defund the police. We don't want to have our community crime rate increase. We don't want to turn our our cities into uh, collapsed hell holes, which they already are largely. So there's not one person There's not one corporation that's doing any of this. Okay, so let's jump over to this because this is interesting. I I saw this yesterday. What is going... I don't care whichever one of you wants to jump in on this one. Uh, What's the deal with Goodyear tires? I saw there was something yesterday with Goodyear tires. Trump's calling for a boycott of Goodyear tires. Why? First, I've heard of that. Okay, so what I've heard of it so far is basically there there was a tweet or an Instagram post or something that that was exposed. It was a picture of what looks like something that their HR department would have released. And it was basically saying um, things on the line of if you're supporting BLM and you want to wear a tire that supports BLM, that's fine. But if you're a conservative that supports conservative things, you can't wear anything politically based at all. More or less, that's that's what that that chart was showing. I, I don't have the chart in front of me to read. There was more to it than that. And somebody posted that and obviously it got out and they responded. And their response was basically, yeah, we, we didn't actually put anything out like that. We encourage our, our staff not to wear anything that's politically charged. 
And that was all they said. They didn't say, yes, we did put that out. No, we didn't put that out. It, it was a very milk toast level of uh, uh, response. Okay. So that's what it was. Okay. Well, look, as far as wearing your political stuff in the workplace, I mean, I, to be honest with you, since when can you not do that? I mean, what in the era of, of this? So this is where I disagree with on this one. When you have an organization, an employer, whatever, coming out saying, you can wear this one, but you can't wear this one. That's like saying, okay, you can wear Democrat Party t-shirts, but you can't wear Republican Party t-shirts. Or you can wear Republican Party t-shirts, but you can't wear Democrat Party t-shirts. No. Since when do you do that? But the solution here, I mean, I would say don't discriminate one way or the other. But I think if you're going to make it a political issue, if it's going to turn into some big argument and everyone's going to blow it out of proportion, then you ban all political stuff including uh, social organizations and, and the like. Is, is that kind of where we're going with this? Well, if I may, Whole Foods is involved with um, protests right now because they um, suspended several employees at different stores for wearing face masks that said Black Lives Matter. Before this, they really had no policy that said you can wear this, but you can't wear that, like you were saying, Johnny, Republican, Democrat. As soon as people started wearing the Black Lives Matter masks, the employees were being sent home. And it's turned into protest at different Whole Foods grocery stores, uh, Boston, a couple stores in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm not sure how far it's gone to other stores, but I do know Whole Foods is also in the same boat that Goodyear was in. Lack of clarity in their policy. And it, it just like you were saying. So I, I posted that picture uh, in question. For, I do see it. Yeah, that that is. Yeah. That is a definite slide in an employee training room. That's what that is. That's what it looks like. I mean, you got the projection screen. You've got, uh, I mean, it all looks like it's in an office space um, or, or in a training room. It, it looks it looks accurate. It, it basically is their zero tolerance policy. And one side says it's acceptable to be uh, BLM and LGBT. You know, you can wear apparel in regards to that. But you can't have anything as far as Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, MAGA, or any kind of uh, political affiliated uh, slogan or material. Which if that's the case, then that makes everything unacceptable uh, on that list or on their chart there. To me, it's a matter of fairness. Either you allow everything or you allow nothing. You can't just pick and choose like you were saying, Johnny, but Democrat is okay or Republican is okay, but Democrat's not. Either you're all in or you're all out. That's the only way you can really deal with you know issues like this. You can't just pick and choose, at least to me. You know, that's the only way to be, really be fair. Either you're all in or you're all out. You can't just, this is good and that's bad or, you know, vice versa. It, look, at, look at the headaches you end up getting into. This is a really gray area for me because I don't like the idea of a corporation telling you what speech is acceptable, but at the same time, the Constitution only guarantees your rights from the, as far as the government's concerned. So if a, if a company says, look, we're not going to allow this kind of speech, and I mean, it's kind of within their rights, right? I mean, you, you choose to work there, they choose to hire you, they kind of set the rules, it's their business. So I mean, in that sense, I just, at the same time, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of a company telling you what you can and can't do constitutionally and because uh, you know it leads to a very gray area a very slippery slope where we're we're, we're falling into right now which is uh the stuff with facebook twitter and all that where they're banning people because they have different opinions and they don't like that opinion so that's not acceptable but that's that's a special case um example because we've talked about it before with the platform status and all that 
Well, in terms of businesses, I believe it's the power, the politics of economics. You're in a business to make a profit. You've got to keep your customers happy. You've got to keep your shareholders happy. So to, I think to a certain degree, that's why you're seeing a lot of companies making donations. And as you gentlemen mentioned, these are multi-billion dollar companies in some cases. And 100,000, 500,000 drop on the bucket, especially for global companies. But it's the, the politics of economics. They want their customers to see them as, oh, they care about what I care about. Keep the customer base up, add to the customer base, add to the profit line. To me, I think that's what a lot of it is. You know, I, some people genuinely care a lot, but then there's others who are going, hey, we can make some money off this, or how do we not lose money? Kind of playing both sides against each other. Speaking of all these organizations that give all this money to uh, the defund the police movement, let's talk about why you shouldn't do that. Let's talk about what happened in New York. Was this today, Bruce? Was this was this today or yesterday when this happened? This uh, police sergeant, retired police sergeant. That's a good question. Uh, the yesterday article was, was posted yesterday. Yes. Yeah, it was posted yesterday. So basically, okay, here's what happened. And I was I was appalled when I saw this. This, uh, of course, I, I privately voiced my. Uh, my distaste, didn't I, Bruce? I, I won't do that mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And when you see this, this is uh, this is something out of the New York Post. If anyone wants to go and, and look this up, a retired NYPD police sergeant was attacked in the garment district, and he was beaten pretty badly. This guy, I mean, I, I saw the video. He's walking out of the store, and these two guys—excuse uh, me—were they teens? Were they, were they were they young people? Is that how they're being described? Uh, because that's yeah. probably what the yeah yeah that's that's probably Youths. how they put it. Youths. Youths. Yes. Youths. Yes. Of course. Uh, He was attacked by two youths. If if those are youths, those are the biggest youths I've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 20. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I see. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course they are 20. Yes, they're youths. Yeah, of course. The one walks up. He throws a bottle at the officer. And then, of course, um, he uh, he jumps on. Of course, you know, the officer goes down. And as he's laying down there, this guy comes up and he just starts wailing on him. I mean, like a dozen times. I mean, haymakers to the head. And finally, they reach down. They grabbed his um, they, they grabbed his phone. They grabbed his headphones. And then as they're walking away, like the guys, the guy's saying, just take it. Like you can tell, like, you know, he's putting his arm up and he's like waving him off. He's like, just take it. And the guy comes back and he kicks him in the head. Now, if this is not this is while the guy's down, he's he's, he's trying to get up. Now, you're, you're trying to tell me that this is that this is OK. This guy's been get the get, get what he's been charged with. He's been charged of aggressive panhandling. I'm sorry. He was a char- yeah. he aggressive was charged- panhandling. He was charged with yeah. aggressive panhandling. How on earth is this not a felonious assault? How yeah. on earth you you hit him? You yeah. hit the guy with a bottle right there is a potential for a deadly weapon. Yep. You, you hit the guy with a bottle. That's assault with a deadly weapon. You can go felonious with that, especially if it would have broken over the guy's head. Could have blinded him. Could have hit one of the carotid arteries if it would have gone. To- if he would have hit it and then drug it down across his neck. How on earth is this acceptable behavior? This is going on in uh, in de Blasio's New York, right? This kind of garbage. And you want to defund the police? You want to take resources away from the police? These are these are not uh, th- these are not nice people that are out there in the streets that uh, that want to do you harm, right? These are thugs. These are degenerates. These people are the bottom feeders of society. They're the scum that the police deal with because the rest of us in society don't want to. These are the types of people that the police deal with. This is why we employ them. And this is why police have a certain mindset when it comes to dealing with people like this. I'm sorry. When I see this, I I just I I get so angry because I, I just see an innocent person who's walking out of a store 
And he gets beat down like that. And I've seen that time and again in the cities th- throughout my days. And I've dealt with people like that youth that did that to him. I've dealt with many people like that over the years. And it's appalling. It's appalling to see that. And it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. I- I've been largely away from that for a few years now. And it's gotten worse. It's gotten, pr- it's gotten exponentially worse. Not exponentially, Bruce. It's gotten exponentially worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I want to know where the bystanders were. This happened right in front of a deli. Where where were the others to come out and help help the guy? Oh, I, I mean, tell it's you pretty what, clear what was going on. I would have been in there helping that guy as best I could. And I tell you what, that guy, yeah. that guy, that, that youth, that, that was that was no youth about that. He was twenty years old. No, no. youth about that. Yeah, he would have he would have taken a ride. He would have been face down in the concrete until police got there. I don't care. I don't care. But there were people that were clearly around. There were other people in yeah. the store. There was a truck driver that was just standing there. Where's the good Samaritans? Do, do you know, like, what, where's the Good Samaritan law? Where is that? Do we, do we not have that anymore? Where, where is that? Let me explain what that is. The Good Samaritan law. That is where you see someone else getting attacked, be it a, another civilian or an officer or, or whatever. I mean, I don't care where I am. If I see a police officer getting beat down, if I see somebody else getting beat down, I mean, I, you got to know the context when it comes to that. But regardless, if a police officer's taking a beating, I'm jumping in there. I'm helping that cop mm-hmm. out. You better believe it. You better believe it. And I'm not hesitating either. That's not right. And the police are under attack in America now more than ever. So we damn well better be helping our police officers as much as we can. But the Good Samaritan law, what that is, is if you don't intervene when you see something like that happening, when you don't intervene, then you can be charged with a crime, too. And with social scoring, Bruce, they're looking to do just that, right? That's that's part of it. Yeah. So watching the video, there's a guy in a safety vest. It looks like he might be um, a sanitation worker. You've got a guy in a hard hat. You've got another one standing off in the shadows and then one standing in the walkway there with uh, under some looks like maybe construction or an awning or something. And then the door to the deli is closing as the retired sergeant hits the ground. And then as after after he's been beaten, someone comes out and then it looks like he's dialing his phone and hands him uh, a a napkin. Where were any of these people during the like the the construction guys uh, or the sanitation workers? They were sitting there right there when the altercation happened. They were watching as the bottle was thrown at the at the guy. It looked like uh, the the sergeant came out of um, out of a building there and uh, they threw the bottle at him. And I don't know if that bottle's uh, a frozen water bottle or something. You know, you, you can't tell, right? And then there was the altercation, and then uh, the the kid was able to get him on the ground, right? Which, he's not a kid, but uh, he was able to pull his leg out from under him and then start beating him. He's a um, youth, Bruce. Mm-hmm. He's a youth. Well, yeah, okay, youth, excuse me. Where were the rest of them helping this guy? It's just, here in the Midwest, if that happened in the Midwest... You would see someone come in and help, and at least in this area, that's that's the mentality of, of people in rural uh, rural cities. But I don't know, man. It, it's so baffling to see that and not see someone come in and help. It, it's just yeah, that's unbelievable. That's what it is. Well, it, it's just it's just so depressing to see how society is falling apart. Now, Mike, I have a question. Was the he was retired, so he was not in uniform? I take it. Correct. Okay. Older gentleman, I'm probably going to guess 50s, 60s, or you can't yeah, really tell from the that. picture. You, you can't. It's difficult to tell. He's um, larger, kind of looks like, you know, you know how Italians are when they get bigger I mean, or, or as they get older, they get a little bit rounder, you know, that's kind of the gotcha. shape he has and he's gray hair and yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Aggressive panhandling. Aggressive panhandling is when someone takes a squeegee to your windshield and won't stop till you give them a buck. That That is assault with a deadly weapon to it, a bottle, a shod foot, any number of other charges. But to your question about the Good Samaritan Law, Johnny, I know in Massachusetts and a couple other states I've been in, it applies to medical situations where if you render first aid or medical assistance, in good faith, if someone's left with a scar and they want to sue you, you're covered under the Good Samaritan law. In terms of law enforcement issues, that has never really been addressed directly that I know of. It's only been brought up in cases where someone had to do a tracheotomy or or they had to tie a tourniquet and the guy ended up losing his leg. He's like, oh, if you hadn't tied mm-hmm. the tourniquet, I wouldn't have lost my leg. Well, no, you would have bled out and you'd be dead. So that's okay. where I've seen the Good Samaritan used. I know in California... When I was stationed out there, again, it was more for medical purposes. Um, most law enforcement agencies I've dealt with or worked with, uh, they usually tell the public, dial 911, don't get involved, only because of the potential of further violence. You don't know if the guy's got a weapon or whatever he might have. So I, I can't answer to New York case law. I just know in terms of Massachusetts and some of the other states I've been in, it's more medical situations where the Good Samaritan law has been applied. Let's be honest, with de Blasio there and the way New York is, uh, if you were to jump in, you would have been the one uh, charged with um, assault and battery. I, I'm not, I would not be surprised if that happened. I would not be surprised. But it, that's what's so depressing about the fact that society has gotten to such a stage as this where an elderly gentleman or an older gentleman can get the stuffing kicked out of him. And everybody just sits there and it's like, oh, here's a napkin. Uh, sorry, I got to go. I'm talking to my girlfriend on the phone. Really, people? Really? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to keep my language clean. It's very difficult to do sometimes. Oh, I, I, I'm just biting my tongue right now. I just, mm. oh. It's awful, man. It's awful. I take a look at this stuff and I think to myself exactly what you're thinking. I'm like, it's everything I have to not come unglued. And I almost did. Uh, when we were talking about it offline, when I saw that video, I thought that right there. No, absolutely not. Because the video is horrendous. That, that's horrendous. Anyway. All right. Let's round off here on some uh, on some Joe Biden. This has been spotted uh, by a gentleman by the name of uh, Elijah Schaefer. You know who Elijah Schaefer is? Yeah, Bruce. I do. Yeah. Yeah. He is the uh, uh, the guy that I, he does. a. I think he does a YouTube. Uh, Elijah Schaefer. He does a YouTube channel. I think uh, slightly offensive is the name of it. It's hilarious. And he caught a um, you you know those uh, those advertising trucks that drive around town that change you know what I'm talking about that have like the the changing walls and the changing like the back of it and stuff like, like a box truck you know what you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Used to see them all the time in Los Angeles when I was visiting family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well they're still around apparently. I haven't seen one in quite some time, but they're still around. And this one was driving around uh, the Chase Center in Wilmington, Delaware, which is where Joe was, and. It's uh, pictures of Joe Biden smelling women with the words creepy Joe Biden next to it. Uh, And on the side of the truck, it was rotating in and out Antifa for Biden and driving around with slogans such as if you can't complete a sentence, you shouldn't be president. So I I have to give someone credit for uh, for being creative here. But uh, is this is this what you do? Is this how it was? Because you have people that do this, right? You, you have people that do this. You have people that that rent things out like this. And with what we saw with NASCAR, you know how NASCAR wanted to do the uh, the ban, the Confederate flag and all that stuff. Somebody was flying over. Somebody rented a plane out. They were flying over with a Confederate flag with the words defund NASCAR behind it. And then 
the same thing when uh, when Hillary was at the convention the last time. People rented out airplanes. They were flying over with uh, wording behind it said "lock her up." That kind of stuff. So th- this is just another thing in the in the time of politics, right? In presidential races, this goes all the way back to the founding of the country. They would put Franklin and and Adams and and Jefferson, and then they would all put out political ads against each other. That that kind of stuff. Obviously, it wasn't to this level where we're at now, but this is just the atmosphere of things. So what what do we think about uh, this uh, this truck? I have no problem with it. You know, it's it's all fair. It, you know, like you said, it's politics. It's a presidential season. It used to be a time when we were nicer about it. But in this day and age, pretty much anything goes nowadays. Look at the uh, people in England that had the uh, Trump doll, that big blow up Trump doll that they would parade around uh, when he was meeting with the Queen of England and whatnot. I believe they have one in America, too. The big uh, blow up Trump baby doll. Politics. I think it fits in with the whole freedom of speech uh, narrative in a sense. It's just political political nonsense. Um, honestly, I, I don't, I'm not really for it or against it. I, I guess it's, it's, you know, that's what they want to do. And they, they want to push that narrative message, you know? Well, I mean, that's, that's their right. They want to go out and rent one of the trucks to do that. You know, go for it. I personally think it's hilarious. You know, that's just my take on it. <laughs> I think it's hilarious anyway. But yes, as you said, Tavish, tis the season. Yeah. So it's the, it's the presidential election. So, I mean, everything's down to zero hour in politics, right? They release doctored up photos and things like that of, of people. And that's just what happens. But anyway, all right. So uh, we are going to have to go. I want to thank both of you for coming in today. I know I was a little bit late today and I do apologize to have as you were late today too, but it all worked out. Bruce, thank you very much for hanging around. Uh, I know you uh, I know you had to put up with quite a bit this evening <laughs> and it was kind of last minute on my part and I do apologize, but uh, thanks for hanging around. For those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parler. Uh, we love getting all your echoes, your likes, your upvotes, your comments, your questions, your feedback, all the above. Uh, you can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you don't want to follow us on Parlor and you would still like to reach out to us and give us some feedback, you can drop us a line anytime you wish via email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Uh, and also, we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family. Right now is uh, is a crucial time more than ever. We're just trying to get the word out. We're trying to get some information out to people. We're trying to provoke good, healthy conversations within people's circles about issues that actually matter. Uh, and so your word of mouth uh, will help us do that uh, as you tell more people about us. Uh, and we really do appreciate that. Thank you very much in advance. Also, if you do have a chance uh, and you would like to, please do give us a rating on any of the platforms that you do listen to us on that have a rating system. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, they do have a rating system or any other platforms out there that do have uh, rates. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, Tavish, thank you guys for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.